Welcome to the Sarah Centrella Show. Join best-selling author, master life coach, and manifesting expert Sarah Centrella as she shares tips, tools, and inspiring interviews to help you create your dream life. It's time to hustle and thrive. Now, here's your host, Sarah Centrella. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. I am so excited for each of you to meet my good friend, Kite Brewster. Um, you guys, if you've read Hustle, Believe, Receive, then you already know this man's incredible story. I, I still get DMs all the time um, from readers who are like, I'm sitting here crying. I'm like in tears reading this story. And I was too, man. I cried listening to it. I cried reading it. I cried the whole time. I mean, you just have such a powerful, powerful story. Um, and I'm so, so honored to have you on the show. Welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to, to be here and to connect with you again. It's been incredibly a long time since, since we've uh, connected. We've I know, right? Back and forth as everyone is so busy. And now I'm, uh, living in the dreamland of Paris, France. So, ah, uh, the city of lights. I love it. Living your, living your dream. We're going to get into all of that. Um, but before we get too far into it, I just have to share with our listeners um, something that's so special uh, for me that, that you did for me that was just, I will never forget it, um, at, for my red carpet launch uh, in New York City when Hustle Believe Received came out in 2016. <clears throat> I remember after our, our interview, you and I had talked and and you were like, do you have a dress to wear to, <laughs> to your red carpet launch? And I was like, well, no. And you were like, mm, I got you. And I was like, oh my God, what does he mean? What does he mean? <laughs> you know, like I was like out of my skin excited. Um, and the day of the launch, I went down and you literally draped my body. And I never thought I would ever say that my body could be draped. But um, you did in this gorgeous, gorgeous purple dress that you made for me tailored to my body and it was just like it was it was my cinderella moment i just have to tell you it was one of the most special moments <laughs> for the rest of my life i'm like this guy has dressed beyonce for fuck's sake like uh. <laughs> so i just want to acknowledge like how how much gratitude i have and how kind that was because it you know it's obviously so so far beyond anything that i would have ever expected and and this is the kind of heart that you have. And I just, I just want to thank you for that. I love that so much. Oh, it was my pleasure. And uh, just an incredibly beautiful moment that I wanted to be a part of making your night as special as the book that you, you put together using it was, uh, inspiration yeah. from all of our lives. It's really uh, an amazing feat. And you had come so far and you deserve that Cinderella moment. Oh, thank you so much. So tell our, our listeners, those um, who maybe haven't read Hustle Receive yet, tell us um, a little bit about your story. Like, where did you get started in fashion? I mean, you're an incredibly successful uh, fashion designer, atelier, uh, celebrity, um, stylist, but where did all this start for you? Well, it, it really started, I, I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri, so I grew up in the very middle of America in the Midwest, and uh, uh, went to performing arts high school there, studied uh, dance and theater, and African dance. So my whole life was carved out uh, to be a performer. Mm -hmm. um, I got the incredible chance at 16 when I graduated high school 
to go and live in New York City uh, with my uncle Robert, who uh, I think I spoke to you about, mm -hmm. um, who was an incredible role model for me because he had come from, uh, my dad's family came from the South, from Birmingham, Alabama. So they, they rose up over uh, discrimination and racism and segregation at the time to, uh, he became a scholar and uh, received the Albright Scholarship from President Kennedy and went on to study opera and classical piano in Europe, became an opera singer, and he sort of set the, the way for me. He made the way for me. He uh, was definitely a mentor and an incredible role model, and we had an incredible uh, connection since I was a little boy. I was his favorite out of out of uh, my brothers and sisters. And so I got to go and live with him after graduating from Visual and Performing Arts High School in St. Louis. Um, so I went off to New York and at that time, my uncle and his partner had uh, opened a fashion business on Fashion Avenue. Um, they were uh, incredible and in representing designers from Europe on the American market, selling and marketing them. And I got a obligatory part-time job there. Um, I was studying dance at Avon Ailey, taking some other uh, college courses, and just sort of creating this incredible world for myself, which I thought would lead to me becoming uh, a performer. I'm really going further into that. But I got sidetracked uh, being around all of these beautiful designs. Now, prior to that, even at Visual and Performing Arts High School, I'd done some costuming for some of our plays and musicals and that sort of thing. So I sort of always had a knack for vintage shopping and that sort of thing. But uh, in New York, I fell madly in love with the industry. Going to work every day on Fashion Avenue was exciting. And I got more and more sucked into it. <laughs> and eventually... <laughs> Yeah, I eventually gave up uh, on performing and decided I was going to become a fashion editor. Wow. So, yeah, that's kind of where our story started in, in Hustle, Believe, Receive, uh, with me at 19 deciding if I was really going to be successful, I needed to go to Europe. So mm. I came uh, over to Paris, booked a one-way flight, and had a place to stay for a week with $500 in my pocket. I took off and told my uncle I had to go to Europe and, and you know, discover all the things that he discovered. He'd been there and I didn't want to stay in America. I knew that if I was going to become a real success, Paris was the place I needed to go. I love that. And at 19 too, the bravery it takes. It was, it was frightening. And, uh, but somehow I just, I had to do it. You know, I knew that it was very, very important for me in order to become successful that that I do just brave it and go there and as you would say I said fuck it and threw caution <laughs> to the wind <laughs> no better way to learn than just hop right in <laughs> exactly so um it was an incredible experience and and there I comprised my own curriculum of the things that I needed to learn and uh got a chance to sit in on art classes and uh, all sorts of different things and do internships and work behind the scenes at major fashion shows. And I spent seven years in, in France and, and became 
a top stylist there uh, before moving on to London where I would work um, as a stylist and editor. And then shortly thereafter, uh, I started getting called to come and work in America, in Hollywood and in New York. And uh, I ultimately became one of the biggest celebrity stylists, um, working with an incredible list of who's who in Hollywood and music and entertainment on a whole, even sports. Um, so it's been, wow, an incredible career of that. And as you know, uh, seven years ago, I, um, I had the epiphany that, that it really was design that I wanted to do. Um, so again, another moment of faith, I decided to walk away from one of the biggest careers uh, in styling and give that all up and start my own business and go down the path of becoming a designer. Wow. It's, it, to me, it just is, um, I mean, first of all, you've dressed like everybody. I mean, you've dressed covers of Vogue and, you know, like anybody who's anybody in the fashion um, industry. And then to, to take that, like you said, and, and walk away and, and create your own, your own dream and kind of in a way almost starting over had to have been pretty, there had to have been some fear in there as well as, as excitement and, and dream and all that. How did, how did you do that? How did you get the courage to do that? Um, I, you know, I think there's a, a, a cycle there now, you know, of taking that leap of faith. Faith is, is so important in my life. And believe me, uh, it, it may seem uh, fairy ish from the outside, but it's been the most incredible. I've worked harder in the last seven years than I've worked in my entire life. Like I really had to give up and sacrifice so much. Like uh, I'm back to living like a college student and putting every dime uh, back into the business. And uh, three years ago, I decided to leave America and go and take my dream to a further step, which my ultimate dream was to design and show haute couture in Paris, so which is the highest form of high fashion, evening wear, gowns. Um, and I am happy to say I've been showing for three years in Paris now with six incredible collections under my belt in Paris. As one, yeah, as one of the only American designers showing in Paris for haute couture, um, it's a field that has only had four American designers in 150 years of all Oh my God, so, uh, wow. It's, it feels good to be making history. Yeah. Feels good to be the, the first African uh, American designer to ever showcase haute couture in Paris. And uh, wow. yeah, I'm excited. That is, that is so great. incredible. That's so incredible. And I love that you said, you know what? this shit is hard. <laughs> it is hard because here's the thing. I think so many people talk, you know, gloss, gloss over it. And as you know, I'm, I'm always pretty raw about this stuff because for me, that was one of the most frustrating things when I started out is that everyone looked like they were there already. Like they were all quadrillionaires and, you know, everything was so easy. And I was like, well, then what's wrong with me? <laughs> you know, because this shit is actually hard. And um, there's a lot of obstacles and I have to overcome them if I want, you know, to get anywhere. 
And, and I just felt like there was like a lot of, um, I don't know, a veil, I guess, hiding all of that stuff, like the hustle it takes and the dedication it takes and how you get better at your craft over time and all of that stuff. Um, so share with us a little bit about what, what does it take to build a line and, and to start over in a new country and to be um, the first trailblazing in your industry? I mean, what does that hustle look like? The hustle is, is intense. That's all I can tell you. And I think more people should be transparent about the amount of dedication and work that it takes to accomplish something like this. I'm such a tiny little company, but with all the big experience I had working, you know, as stylist for Ralph Lauren and so many other designers producing shows, I can sort of do all the work. I do 10 jobs at once as opposed to having the budgets to be able to hire the best teams of this, that I scramble and I fight and I beg friends and models to help me and I give them clothes and I do it the kind of old fashioned way of building step by step and layer by layer. Um, because uh, I believe that, that I have what it takes to become a house as famous as Chanel or Dior or, Givenchy or all of the major maisons of Paris, I am hoping that my name will be around some 50 years or 100 years after I'm no longer here. So I'm building that foundation and building any foundation is brick right. by brick. It takes the ultimate in belief, in faith, in sacrifice. In sacrifice, and, yeah. Yeah, in blood, sweat, and tears. And you have Lots to kind of, right? <laughs> and you have to, to do that. I think, um, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, I would love to do my dream. Maybe I have a dream to start a company or whatever, but I don't have investors. So without investors, I can't do anything or without a team, I can't do anything. And I'm always just like, what? <laughs> like, where does that thinking even come from? You know, I, I do and have done all the jobs for for my business as well. I mean, I'm just now starting to <clears throat> get a little bit of help here and there, but like for seven years, I've done the same thing, like building it from scratch. And I feel like that that's another one of those things that the assumption is always like, oh, everyone has an army, you know, and, and until I can have an army, I can't really do anything. And, and, you know, putting my own investment in it is too scary. And it's like, well, then maybe you don't really want that dream bad enough. Um, and you mentioned, you know, having that end vision of where you want to be and, and what you want to build. And I just think that that is probably the, one of the most crucial elements that if you don't know what you're building, then you do kind of want to give up along the way. When, when did that part come in for you? Or was it there on day one where you really knew what you wanted to build and, and why you were doing it? Well, I definitely knew what I wanted to build. And I definitely knew uh, that I have worked with, with every uh, designer's clothes in, you know, really the most upscale part of, of high fashion. I have taken those clothes and tailored them on the bodies of some of the most glamorous and beautiful women in the world and sent their dresses down uh, the red carpets of the Oscars, the Golden Globes, and all of the the Grammys, the award shows. And there was so much experience there from taking other people's garments and 
ultimately refining them even and making them work on real women, uh, not on runway models, on real life situations, on covers of magazines, on, again, those red carpets, which became so much knowledge. You know, I kind of didn't realize how much I knew um, about design because uh, I'd learned so much. Uh, I'd become an expert in fitting for sure. And that already was, was a mainstream. But what I didn't realize that all of those, uh, you'll remember from working with me uh, for your fittings, I can take the fabric and I can make it work on anyone's body and I can see it right there in front of me, what it's going to be and what it's going to finish. I have all of those things that I didn't realize that I could do. I mean, when I met you, I'd only started doing that a few years before meeting you. Yeah, and you had uh, never, um, I don't even think that we went over measurements or, or anything. I just showed up <laughs> and all of a sudden I was like in this, I've never felt silk like that in my life. I have never felt just so ease i guess ease ease and grace and, and yes. you, had, you had actually said to me you were like i remember one time when we were talking on the phone you said you know what sarah i just have one question for you are you ever comfortable because <laughs> i was always like wearing clothes that were like you know tight and i looked uncomfortable and i was uncomfortable you know it definitely was not comfortable in my own skin at all you're like i want you to to feel beautiful but also be comfortable and i was like what like, how are those two things even possible, you know? Um, and that is such a, a skill and a talent because, oh my God, as a woman who's a full-figured woman, like, I feel like most designers don't get that. And for you to be able to drape any woman's body and not have, you know, not have it be around all this rigidness is really a beautiful thing. It's, you know, it's an important part of empowerment. And I think the thing that I learned as a stylist working with, my first big client, obviously, was Julianne Moore. Um, however, I'd worked with a number of great actresses prior to working with her. She was the first that I took as a personal client. Um, after that, I would work with Diane Lane and Natalie Portman and Gwyneth Paltrow and Kate Blanchett. I mean, these are women who uh, <laughs> are the ultimate dream of what glamour right. and uh, that whole world is, is, is like. And when you are entrusted with their image, you know, them going down the red carpet and not looking amazing is just not a possibility. That process right. taught me about empowerment, which is, uh, it's the ultimate reason why I design, why I styled the feeling of knowing uh, as a performer, myself having known the anxiety of what it takes to go out for a big event, to be on the cover of a magazine, to shoot all the, these different things. There's already so much attached anxiety. And my goal was to eliminate that. And my decisions, uh, when I chose clothes for women from other designers became about making them the most spectacular thing in the world, but also making them comfortable so that they could endure the eight hours that it takes to go to the Oscars and up and down the red carpets and backstage and presenting. And, you know, it's a full on night. And why, why should she be uncomfortable doing so? Yeah. 
miserable and, and hating every minute of it. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of finding what your style was, I guess, or, or your vision, um, how important was that when you launched, like kind of really knowing what you wanted to create and how you wanted women to feel? How important was that part of, of your vision for your company and, and what you're doing? I think you're nailing it right on, on the head. It is the most important thing. It was uh, now, how do I translate that into something that would become my style? And honestly, you know, it took a lot of figuring out for me to do that, but I didn't rush the process and I still haven't rushed the process. I'm still a very quiet force building and coming along. I haven't uh, fought for so much attention because I really wanted to learn as I went along and teach myself how I wanted to create garments. And um, I, I think the whole ideology of comfort, flow, movement, fit, um, have now evolved into several different mediums of that ideology. I can make something super fitted, but still make it super comfortable. I can uh, make things that move and flow, and uh, it's all about how the fabric drapes. And I, I think there's been so many influences in my life, such as the dance and, and the movement and bodies and so many different ways that I've learned. Uh, I think my education is very, very different from most designers. Yeah, and you can see that. Um listeners, you've got to go follow his Instagram because I'm telling you, you're going to fall in love with these designs. They're just, they're so uniquely you, you know what I mean? They're just, when I see one of those pieces, I'm like, ah, that's so signature, you know, for you, Kite. I just love it so much. Um, what are some of the obstacles you've faced in this part of your journey, building, building this dream the last seven years and, and building the company? Well, you know, I was, great friends with a makeup artist called Kevin Aquan. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of him. And he mm -hmm. was uh, one of the biggest makeup artists in fashion and celebrity. He really uh, sort of left fashion behind and made the, the transcendence into celebrity life, working with Liz Taylor. Where, I mean, he literally worked with everybody. And there's a very famous book of his called Face Forward that I worked on as his stylist for his last book. Kevin is unfortunately no longer with us. He's passed on. But in that book, we took very famous women and recreated them into other women. Um, and I think uh, it was one of the most amazing things. So that's also something I'd love for, for women to look at. It's called Face Forward by Kevin Aquan. And one of the things that Kevin told me when he transitioned into uh, that and launching his own makeup line, he said, they're not always going to be there, all the people that you've worked with, and, and they're not going to be running to your defense so to help you to uh, help build you, even though all the things that you've done, because he was one of the first that I told that I'd eventually like to go into design. And of course I was talking myself out of it because, well, you know, it's so late for me in my forties to decide yeah. <laughs> to uh, become a fashion designer. Um, but he said to me, you have to do it, but you have to be prepared to go it alone. Mm 
And that's been one of the things that have probably been so disappointing is I supported and I gave so much of myself to so many people in the industry and they haven't supported me back. They haven't uh-huh. said, let me get behind this guy. You know, <clears throat> even the American press, um, I'm not being featured in American Vogue or the American publications being the only American designer showing at the haute couture shows. Um, I think it's, an, it's, it's incredible to me. Um, you know, I think if my work was really terrible, maybe. Uh, yeah. But I know that what I'm doing is really beautiful and in its own way, it's very revolutionary. Um, right. I have found that to be the most difficult. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking in a way where, you know, where you know that you've been there for other people and shown up and supported and done your part. And then um, when it's not reciprocated, it's, it's so hard. It really makes you feel like you are an island, you know, on your own kind of like (laughs) fighting for the dream sometimes. And I've so been there, you know, I think my my circle has had like several iterations where it just keeps getting smaller every like five years, like "Ah," smaller, smaller, (laughs) you know, but then, then I also find that there's um, amazing new connections that come into your life kind of when you least expect it that really help elevate you to the next level. I mean, shout out to Kimberly Hatchett right now for, for you and I having this conversation. I mean, she was absolutely one of those who um, I had interviewed her first and she was like, you have to meet, you have to meet my friend. And uh, I'm so grateful for her because that was right at one of those times where I had really lost pretty much everyone in my crew. I was definitely going at Lone Soldier. Um, and so I think that that is kind of one of those things, again, that no one talks about on, on the pursuit of our dreams or um, in, in route to success, whatever you want to call it, is that that's part of the sacrifice. And, and I think we have to want it so much that we're almost kind of willing to go through those, those different things. Absolutely. And, and, and it's you know, who people are too, right? Absolutely. And you, you, you learn along the way that, Certain people are there for the journey or parts of the, that journey, and they weren't meant to be there for the entire uh, process. They were meant to be there for that time. And I stop, I must say that in the beginning, it was very frustrating uh, thinking, oh, this person should be here for me. And in the end, all it has done is make me stronger. It makes me stronger. Uh, and it makes me rise to the challenge. Um, it, so true, so true. It just, it just empowers me to keep going. You know you're on the right path, and there are bits along the way. And the struggle is real. The struggle is important. Um, the learning process is important. Um, yeah, 100%. I always think it's like our best teacher almost. Like, like we almost have to have it to, to be prepared for what's coming to be better at what we do. You know, like a lot of people want to skip that phase. And I'm like, yeah, wouldn't we all? But at the end of the day, that's, that's, you know, writing my book seven different times is what taught me to be a good enough writer to get it sold. <laughs> you know, like had I, had I tried on go one, it never would have happened. So it's like, yeah, wanting so, to be part of it too. Yeah, exactly. I'm so 
happy to say to your listeners and to everyone who, who will eventually hear this podcast, um, it's hard. It's, it's, it's determination and dedication and working 24 hours sometimes. You know, the days before my shows, because I don't have enough, I'm working with very small teams. I have to make up all the excess. Uh, and being, I thank God that I'm talented enough and that I've had enough experience in so many different areas of fashion that I can quickly do the casting myself. I can do uh, things that, you know, would save 5000 for a casting director. I do those things. And uh, I was happy to invest every cent of my savings into to this process. And I've had two small uh, investment to get me through through seven years um, and really someday when people know the actual numbers of what has gone into this business uh, it will be really impressive what I've been able to accomplish with knowledge and know-how and belief right. and faith 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 yes. always faith absolutely I think that faith and and I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this is really kind of stoked or built off of my, my brain is really visual. So I, I kind of always trans translate everything into a moment or a visual. That's kind of like a picture in my head or a movie in my head. And um, one of those for me when I was writing the book was that red carpet moment, right? Where I would look out into the room and I would see all these different um, stories that I collected over the last year in one room together. And so I, I was really like, those those types of moments, like allowing myself to live them in my head before they happen, before they re were even a given. I mean, mm -hmm. that night wasn't a given until like 48 hours beforehand, to be really honest. Like it was <laughs> like, holy shit, we might not be able to pay this bill when we walk out of this building. Like it was down to the wire as so many things often are. Um, but I think kind of the ability to, to do that, and I guess, you know, people call it visualization, whatever, um, has been really pivotal in helping me create those dreams in those moments. Um, do you do that as well? Like when you, uh, maybe oh, like the first time you, you know, you had your absolutely. show. Every time, every show, I don't know how it's going to be paid for. Uh, you know, I have a great friend, uh, uh, Naima, who is uh, consulting with me and she is a French, but American woman who has, um, worked for Dior and for Mont Blanc. She was CEO. She's incredible. And my lawyer introduced us uh, a year ago. And I was up against my investor pulling out just before a major show or saying that they wouldn't go through. And I, of course, she kept saying to me, make it happen. You have got to pull the show off. And I wouldn't be in a great place today if I didn't pull off my very last show. And now I'm in a place where I'm meeting with great investors about going forward and being able to do things the right way. Um, but it wouldn't happen. I mean, yep. I mean there was no way to pay for anything. Yep. And I pulled off the best show of, of my career in Paris already. Um, by just believing and by walking blindly in faith. And yeah. I think you, you have to believe enough to do it. You know, you have to believe enough to visualize, see it and make that shit happen. You have to do it.
hundred percent. Run it through your mind. Like every time when I would get an, an obstacle or, you know, I'd hear no from a publisher, or whatever, I would, I would like close my eyes. I'm like, there will come a day where I'm going to walk into that room and this is what it's going to feel like. And then, and then I would create other moments too. You know, like when I walk into Barnes and Noble and I get to buy my book and just all these little moments really are, were the things that pulled me towards my dream every single day. And I think if people understood kind of how to do that, um, instead of just like putting arbitrary goals or saying things like, oh, my business has to hit X amount of revenue or else I'm a failure, shit like that. Then they would like wake up with their dreams, like yanking them out of bed versus like, oh, I have to find motivation, you know? Believe me, you know, I really get that on every level. My business partner, Linda Jackson said to me, uh, they're not budging before my show. She said the investors aren't budging, whether they will budge later or not. But she said, I don't know how you're gonna do it, but I know you gotta do it. So between these two incredible women behind me, they were both giving me advice on different levels to uh, just keep going. And I did. And I remember Linda writing to me, seeing the reviews the next day and that I pulled off the show and that it was standing room only and there were queens and princesses and nobles from around the world and French celebrities everywhere. Uh, and oh, just it. saying, writing to me, you are my hero because you actually made it happen. Oh so, God, um, and, and none yeah. of that would have happened if we just threw in the towel right before, you know, how they always, no, yeah, we, they always say people give up, like, right at the moment when their big break is, pretty much. And it's scary, you know. And, and after that, those great reviews, I faced all of those bills and being incredibly in a, a huge amount of hundred thousands of dollars of debt and having to have people calling and everyone being upset with me and figuring it out. And I had to find a way to take a breath and, and refocus and utilize the success of the show to, to build a foundation where I won't have to go through that again. So I am very close to solidifying uh, new investors uh, and starting again uh, after uh, quarantine. We're still in slight quarantine here in France. So uh, it's actually been a welcome moment for me because it's the ver first uh, real just actual break yeah. I think I've had in years um, to just really take a breather and to regroup. So I'm looking very forward to starting again in the fall and uh, relaunching my company. I'm so grateful to you for, for how open and honest you, you are about this process, because I'm telling you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get so many messages from listeners. I, I know I am on the same thing, you know, that, it's just, it is the piece of, of success that is what no one talks about. And when you're going through it, you feel like such a failure because you feel like you should have it figured out already. And you feel like you shouldn't have to be going through these ups and downs. And um, I think that pressure, at least for me, like, you know, when my book came out, I thought it was going to change a lot more than it did, obviously. And so um, 
there's that piece of it that everyone's looking to like, okay, well you, you did that. That's, that's great. Now everything is, now everything is rosy. <laughs> You're like, uh, no, no. I have to like feed my kids and shit. <laughs> like, um, I don't know what you think books pay or whatever pays, but like, I'm still struggling to, you know, like honestly, those first two years was back to almost as bad as what it was after my ex-husband left. I mean, I went from the salary mm-hmm. to absolutely nothing and trying to build a company without a dollar to my name and try and support my family. So the shit is real, man. <laughs> but I absolutely. knew I had that, shit. you know, without it, I would have never been here. And, and a year and a half in, I was like, man, I don't know, maybe this is crazy. Maybe it is time. And I just sat down. I was like, no, I cannot trade this vision for anything. I just can't. Like, I think when, we, when it's been put on our heart, you know, and it becomes almost part of our DNA, it's, we know how foolish it would be to cash it in. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, why would I give away a winning lottery ticket? Like, this is my thing. That's what I put here on the universe to do is bring this to the world. And like, I can't, I can't give up, you know? Absolutely. And, and believe me, there are times when I've had to decide groceries for the week or fabric or supplies to finish my designs. I, I think the most important thing is I never went into the business thinking I have to earn a certain amount of money or have, uh, uh, you know, a certain amount of success in order to keep going. Um, I've been able to equate success with the completion of things that I'm proud of, that I I am proud of the designs that I can create with my fingers, with my hands. Mm -hmm. I can make these things that you see on my, you know, websites and Instagram and, and therefore, and recently my clothing designs were worn at the Cannes Film Festival, which was huge for me. And at the Romy Awards in Vienna, uh, which was huge for me. I was invited as guest of honor for Vienna Fashion Week. And so I've consequently shown in London, in Vienna, the shows in America, and I'm slowly building a reputation around the world for delivering uh, amazing shows that have so much emotion and energy um, because the emotion and energy comes from me. And as many of the listeners will know who have read my story uh, in your book, you know, I suffered a great loss a few years ago after being married for only eight months and the most horrific time of my life. And I overcame that to go on to continue to design and to do all of the things. So that for me is success, that I am able to overcome all of those horrible things that happened, uh, all of the pain and suffering that I went through, and I'm able to stand up and uh, get to where I know he would want to see me uh, be here in Paris, doing it amongst the best. Um, and recently I read an interview from the director of the Federation Delicature who said, when you are in Paris showing, you are showing amongst the champions. Wow. So that made me feel really, really good. And I know that Ryan is smiling down from heaven. Um, in last September, I lost my uncle Robert, who I mentioned in the beginning oh, of the article. Lord. Yeah. At 85, he, uh, went on to glory and, uh, I have my parents who passed on earlier. And so I have so many guardian angels around me 
who are applauding, who are pushing me, who are rooting for me to be yes. a success. So I can't give up. My friends and family have said, come home, just give up and come home. And I will, you know, I will starve to death or I will die yeah. trying to Same. get to where I want to go. Same. And, and guys, you have to go read history. I don't want, I don't want to tell too much because I think it's just so powerful the way you've told it in the book. Um, but you'll know what I mean when I started out our talk today with everyone cries because it is that it's gut wrenching. Um, and what you have been through is just, it's incredible that even going through something like that, um, that you still stand after that. I always think that in itself is a feat. Um, but then to be able to channel pain and disappointment and things like that into fuel for, for getting you where you are, I think is um, an amazing skill that, that anybody can, can do if they put that energy into the right places. And I think you, you hit on something that I wanna go back to a little bit that is just huge, is you mentioned you don't tie your success to specific dollar amounts. And man, I teach people this all the time. Cannot tell you how many people will come to my workshops and I'll say, okay, well, as it relates to finance and abundance, like what are your goals? And they'll just be like, I want a million dollars. I'm like, bitch, please. Like, you don't even know what a million dollars is gonna do to your life. Why don't you tell me that? And then we'll like, we can start something. Um, because there's so many things that tie up into that, that um, actually become weights rather than fuel for us. Uh, things like, oh, you know, if I had that goal for my business and I didn't hit it, but maybe I hit 750, then I'm still failing because I didn't hit my number, you know, and just, there's a lot of weirdness that goes around it. So I've always done those moments. Like you just mentioned, you know, if I'm in, in your case, like if I'm showing in Paris, then that's, that's one marker, right? If I am doing, um, dressing celebrities, that's another marker. And you have kind of these other markers that, you know, like, Hey, in order to get there, that means I am progressing. That means. Absolutely. And believe me, so many people would, have me think because I'm not making millions of dollars in sales yet that that's not successful. But when women buy my clothes and they love my clothes, and I remember Kim Hatchett writing me once after I created a dress for her and saying, I felt so sexy. My husband couldn't keep his hands off of me. For me, <laughs> yep. that is, is, you know, the kind of adulation that I, I look to as a greater success than anything is being able to, and couture is about one woman at a time. It's, right. it's not about mass producing. I'm working in a very sustainable way in a daylight studio with everything being done by hand stitching. We use very little sewing machines. I use a lot of vintage fabrics, which is 100% sustainable. Um, and uh, it's really special. Every time you create a dress or a wedding gown or it's just very, very special. And so I'm able to utilize all those things I learned dealing with some of the biggest women in the world, now with some of the biggest women in the world who are real women who have just as, uh, just as, a, as much as of a challenging and demanding schedule being socialites, being royalty. Um, it's very, very special, but... I don't turn away anyone. So anyone who, who comes to me, I am able to make something beautiful for them. And that's a really great feeling. Um, there's no discrimination of size or 
stature or anything. My challenge every time is to create and make something beautiful that, that empowers women. I love that. I love that. And so I think you already answered this a little bit, but I always want to know what's your dream moving forward? What's the big, big vision? Well, um, I've decided to take a break from France. So I'm planning to spend the next year in Dubai Mm. as soon as we're able to leave uh, Paris because we're still quarantined. We can't really fly out to other countries and other countries aren't receiving right now. Um, I'm planning to, uh, to do that, but I would also love to write books because I think there's so many stories that I have to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be calling you when I start yes. on that path. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but I am doing um, some, some costume design for films in Europe. I did an amazing film in Austria, in Vienna, shot in the Austrian apps. Uh, a short film which debuted at Tribeca Film Festival a year and a half ago. So that has been a rewarding to, to, to start working on costume design for film. So I would ultimately love to do a lot more of that because it kind of ties in yeah. my styling with the design and creating uh, things originally. Uh, that is so, right. so fulfilling for me. I love it, it very much. It gets them visible so. too and to new audiences in a new way, which is really amazing. Exactly. So I hope to do a lot more of that um, during this incredible time of uh, crisis in America with uh, the police brutality and the things that have been going on. Um, I just look forward to empowering uh, other African-American children, uh, children from all races who uh, have someone to look up to that are that is here in Paris doing something uh, that everyone said that I couldn't do. So I hope to be able to find ways to reach a lot more people and have them follow me and see what I'm doing. Yeah, uh, and I hope that I'm doing it just as much for for them as I'm doing it for myself. I want them to be able to see that they can do it, and I. Uh, I hope that that my actions and my work will inspire them. I love that. What is your advice to to them or to maybe a new entrepreneur, um, just in general? What what would you tell someone who's starting out on their dream? Um, just to believe wholeheartedly, and no matter what anyone tells you, you must just keep believing. But you must work your ass off, mm-hmm. and you and good is not good enough. Good is not good enough. You have to be great. You have to really become great. I I meet so many designers and I've met so many African designers who say, well, my work is great. And I say, well, your work is good, but it's not great. And you have to get it to the point where it's great. And that's that's what I'm doing. I'm rising to to get it to, to the point that's great. And I'm happy to do that step by step and work my way up to to the level of greatness. Um, and I started out even with my huge reputation as a stylist, being very humble as a designer and working my way up from the bottom. So uh, that is what I would say to anyone starting out, start, be, start small, start proud, but, you know, be willing to work your ass off to get there. Yeah, absolutely. It's such, such wise advice. Where can our listeners uh, find you and how can they follow you? How can they... 
How can they help the cause, support you? Um, actually, I, I decided to launch a uh, GoFundMe page, which I will send you details after yeah. our call. Yes, I can um, add it. In but okay. please follow my Instagram first and foremost, at Kite Brewster. Um, and please follow my Facebook. Uh, I have two different Facebooks, one for Kite Brewster Atelier, which is more of a public page. And I still think maybe I, there's a few more slots to be my friend on Facebook. So uh, always uh, happy to accept people who are interested uh, to follow me. Um, and my website is kitebrewster.com. Yes, and you're going to fall in love with Kite's designs, you guys. I'm telling you, they're so unique and so absolutely stunning um, and beautiful. And maybe one day some of our listeners will be wearing you. And I certainly hope one day I'll be able to wear you again. Um, uh, anytime. You just <laughs> let me know when you have those big gala moments and yes. you need to look incredible. I love um, it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing so openly your journey, your story with us and um, encouraging others who are on this journey that even when it's hard, it doesn't mean it's time to give up. It just means it's time to put your head down and get that hustle on. I love it. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Sarah. And thank you for the support and uh, wishing you and the children all the best. Thank you. And everybody go hustle and thrive. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you got value from today's show, please spread the love by clicking subscribe, leaving a stellar review, and telling everyone you know. And join us next time on The Sarah Centrella Show.